This message comes from NPR sponsor Comcast Business. Is it possible to get business internet you can really rely on? It is with 99.9% network reliability from Comcast Business. Powering possibilities. You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. Hey, shortwavers, Emily Kwong here. So a few weeks ago, Rasha Aridi brought us this gorgeous episode about how our brains can recall bits of songs from our distant past. And that got us wondering about sound in general and how our brains interpret sound in the first place. Neuroscientist Nina Krauss and my colleague Ari Shapiro over at All Things Considered had a fascinating conversation about this very topic— it's the focus of her new book, Of Sound Mind, and we have that conversation for you today on the show. So headphones on, ears open, enjoy. This message is brought to you by Apple Pay. Fussing with plastic cards should be a thing of the past. Instead, pay the Apple way. Apple Pay is easy, secure, and built into iPhone. All you have to do is set it up. Just add a card in the Wallet app and you're good to go. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This is All Things Considered from NPR News. I'm Leila Falden. And I'm Ari Shapiro. As the sounds that I'm making right now enter your ear, your brain is effortlessly turning those air vibrations into a sentence that has meaning. Now, if we start to distort my voice, your brain has a harder time deciphering what I'm saying. And if we auto-tune my words, turn them into music, and put a beat under them, your brain processes this sentence in still different ways. So what exactly is going on in your brain to make sense of those sounds? Well, that's the focus of neuroscientist Nina Krauss's new book, Of Sound Mind, How Our Brain Constructs a Meaningful Sonic World. Welcome to All Things Considered. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, let's talk about those two examples to start. Um, as my voice distorted there, what was actually happening in our brains? Well, you know, our brain does a really good job picking up what is going on in our sonic world. And so if we're getting garbled information, if we're getting information that has... Um, background noise, it's going to affect the signal that the, the brain hears in the first place. That said, each one of our brain, our hearing brains is different, and it will process the information that we hear based on our life in sound. As we have, throughout our lives, made sound to meaning connections, eventually, much of what we do happens automatically. Well, let's talk about that experience. Um, you write that in your biography, there are at least a couple things that make your brain different from other people. For example, you were raised in a bilingual household. Your mother was a pianist. How do growing up with those kinds of features change your brain, or anyone's brain for that matter? It's hugely important. Music is, is really the, the, the jackpot if you think about the, the hearing brain. So the hearing brain engages how we think and feel, what we know, what we remember, uh, how we move, how we interact with our other senses. So if as a child, you know, you have made music and you have associated uh, musical meaning with the ones you love and feeling safe, you're going to develop a nervous system that reflects that experience. You've also researched the connection between music and emotion. 
And you spoke about this at an event a few years back with the opera singer Renee Fleming, where she sang Song to the Moon from the opera Rusalka by Antonin Dvorak. Let's listen first to a bit of this piece of music. The beauty of this seems almost to defy science, and yet you are a scientist who has studied, among other things, why this feels beautiful, why this feels emotionally compelling. What can you tell us? Well, you know, it, it brings back, just listening to this, brings me back into the moment. When you're listening to a beautiful piece like the Song to the Moon, your limbic system is being activated by sound, and it will also be producing dopamine that will occur if you know the piece, as you anticipate what's coming, and also when you reach the um, musical climax of the piece, then the dopamine will be increasingly released. So, again, one's experience with sound is going to affect that reaction that one will have when listening to a beautiful voice like Renee's. You run a lab at Northwestern University called BrainVolts, where you research the connection between sound and the brain, some of these issues we've been talking about. And, and you brought a demonstration that sort of vividly portrays some of your research's findings. Can you walk us through it? Okay, so, so listen to the sound and see if you can figure out what words are being said. Wow, that sounds incomprehensible. Now, now, now listen to what the sentence actually is when it's not garbled. The juice of lemons makes fine punch. The juice of lemons makes fine punch. Now listen mm. to the first sentence again. Huh, now it sounds totally clear. I absolutely hear the juice of lemons makes fine punch. Well, what are you showing us there? Right, so so do you believe me that what you know about sound influences how you make sense of it? Interesting. Our previous experience shapes our interpretation of the sounds we encounter in the world. Bingo. So your research can actually show us what the brain experiences when it encounters sound. How does that work? Absolutely. As I'm talking to you now, uh, the neurons in your brain that respond to sound are producing electricity. And with scalp electrodes, we can measure that electricity. I can then sonify it so that we can listen to what your brain produced when it was listening to whatever it was that you were listening to. And what is is remarkable is that when we play back the brain's response to sound, it will actually physically resemble the sound that stimulated the brain in the first place. Okay, let's do it. What do you want to play for us? So um, – here is a person listening to um, Amazing Grace. So here's the sound that we're hearing.
And this is the um, response that we captured as they were listening to this particular clip of Amazing Grace. Pretty recognizable, right? Mm -hmm. So we have so much to work with. We can listen to this person's response to sound. So you can imagine we can compare different kinds of people and different kinds of brains. Another really nice example that I have is three healthy brains listening to A Hard Day's Night. Listen to how three different healthy brains process that sound. Brain one. Brain two. Three. So I think it's a really compelling point that each one of us hears the world differently. And here is a biological example of how this is the case. That's neuroscientist Nina Krauss. Her new book is Of Sound Mind, How Our Brain Constructs a Meaningful Sonic World. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thank you so much. You're listening to All Things Considered from NPR News. If you want to hear even more author interviews about great books, tune into NPR's new podcast, Book of the Day. They're a show for nerds just like us. Enjoy, check it out, and tune in for more shortwave in your feed tomorrow. This message comes from EarthX. The EarthX 2024 Environmental and Sustainability Congress of Conferences is happening in April and brings together all sides with one important mission, protect the planet. Go to earthx.org to register. If you're looking for a new way to support this show and public media, please consider signing up for the NPR Plus podcast bundle. NPR Plus listeners get to unlock sponsor-free listening and bonus episodes from NPR shows like this one. You can find out more at plus.npr.org.